and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tim. Good evening, everyone. My name is Ian. Uh, It's good to see you here tonight. Uh, It's great to have uh, the young guys on the platform, particularly because they served us at our family service at 10 o'clock this morning. They did an awesome job and Jenny and the team did a great job. Could you just thank them in particular? They gave up a whole day, more than that. Fantastic. Great, great celebration this morning. Uh, It's good to see Miranda, I think it is, on the acoustic guitar. She's been on the platform before, but great to see you. I can't see her out there somewhere. Could you put your hands together, thank, give some Miranda some courage. She's down there! If you keep clapping, she might go red. That's fantastic. Uh, it's uh, really encouraging to see people get involved in that. Langman's done a great job with the World's Missions Conference. Uh, there's so many great connections coming up through that work. Uh, you just through Bible Society, uh, Greg Anderson, Northern Territory, all sorts of things. So it's really exciting to see what God is doing in that. So can I encourage you to be thinking about how you're going to get involved in that indeed about how you can pray for that. It'd be very, very exciting. So it's great. Uh, we've been doing this series on prayer. And uh, we're coming to the end of it tonight. Uh, and thank you, uh, Tim. Great to hear the prayers from Maddie. Keep praying for Maddie and Jazz as they continue to study God's Word, etc. Off uh, exams. Keep praying for Ruth as well. Others who are thinking about college, Bible college. It's very encouraging to see people continue to be in that space. This series about prayer is also being very, has also been very encouraging. So I hope you are being challenged about your prayer life. I want to speak about that tonight. Much has been learnt over the last few weeks about prayer. Uh, And tonight, Psalm 63 gets us into that space, very personal prayer, very personal connection. Not just about prayer, but praise and who this God is that we come to. It's very important that we understand that. And indeed, Psalm 63 recognises the divine power that is there, as David writes this psalm in a very particular context in his life. And often I think I've found with prayer that when you go and stop and pray and start praising God and praying, your heart doesn't just warm towards God, it starts to warm towards others as well. And it's a great lesson about prayer. So let me pray. Father, we do thank you for all that you've been doing through your people. We thank you that we can stop and gather together. We thank you that you are a great and gracious God. Father, may it be that we continue to come before you and ask you to do all the work that needs to be done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want you to understand right up front that David is unashamed about saying that his relationship with God is better than life. His love for God, his desire to serve God, his connection with God from his perspective is better than everything that life offers. And that really might rattle you. It might think, how could that be when there's so many good things to get connected with in this world? But that's his argument. 
God's steadfast love, he says, is better than life and we'll see that. And so again, our relationship with God, where you might remember a few weeks ago, Shane spoke about it, it's intimate, it's personal, it's connected, it's powerful. Uh, Miles mentioned the other week, it's, it's in the morning service, it's about us gathering together. And we had this, uh, we've had this concept about prayer and again, everyone praying, all ministers and ministries having prayer support, 10% of each congregation to gather to pray before each service. And as Langdon said, that's 7.30, 9.30 and 5.30. Let me tell you how I'm going so far with that, especially the 7.30 gig. It's meant I have to leave home earlier. It's meant I actually have to get myself ready in this case uh, because church starts at 8 o'clock and so I have to be thinking about, well, do I do it today or not today? And so I have, and for the last few weeks been doing that. It's only been running for a few weeks. But I've found it really powerful to sit in a room to pray for the service with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't know what's happening in their lives, but it's absolutely changing my life and my view and my relationship with God and others. And so I'm finding it very encouraging. So I want to encourage you to think about coming at 5.30 uh, before the service. It's a wonderful thing to be praying and the prayer we have, in case you haven't seen it, there's the prayer that we start off in the service. Father, we pray we'd be a passionate church of worship, community mission. You might remember Shane saying a few weeks ago that he's taken that out of the 2020 vision book. Gather your people with expectancy. We pray these things. And from a deep engagement with you, may they connect with those they encounter. We pray that today. Hearts are changed. And so, so far in the last few weeks, we keep praying this for every service, which is wonderful. I hope you're encouraged by that. The prayer, I think, is in the newsletter as well. And so it's good to see us gathering, maybe in years to come, maybe in 2030 when I'm long gone in a wheelchair somewhere being pushed around, uh, we'll look back and think, wow, look what God has done in his church because people gave up time to pray. And make no mistake, I'm actually saying that we gave up time to pray. There's... I don't know how else to say it. It actually means making a commitment to do something and to come before God and pray. The great thing is I've been hearing people say it's fantastic. We've been praying about this before we get to church. Uh, I had a text uh, at the earlier prayer session about quarter to eight from someone, uh, one of our members saying, look, there's a family service on. Is prayer still on? I said, no, we've cancelled prayer. We're too busy. We've got the family. No, of course prayer was on. They came to prayer. And so it's good to see it slowly going out there. Um, and so here we come to this connection David has about his relationship with God and the importance he places in this intimacy and the joy he has. And so I hope we too will have that same joy. So he starts off, a, one of the commentators just broke it up into three easy steps. God, my desire. God, my desire. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. Uh, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Uh, it's very personal. David longs to know God more deeply. And his context in writing this is pretty tough. Uh, David, king, poet, warrior. Uh, the Bible tells us a man that walked with God, that sought God, a man after his own heart. And sadly, David's written this in a time when he was having troubles with his son and his son Absalom, you can check this out in 
2 Samuel 13, 14 and 15, his son Absalom decided to get his father. And so David flees and goes in the, the, the bush and takes a few of his colleagues and he's in a terrible, terrible place and part of his, part of his life. And he pens Psalm 63 and writes this intimate psalm, You God are my God, earnestly I seek you. Uh, my whole being. And so some would even say it's very, it's like a love story. It's a love letter. He loves his God so much. And so he's acknowledging who God is, Yahweh, the God, the covenant faithful God from uh, days gone by, the one and true God, the God we know who's revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And David is seeking this God, seeking this Lord. Now he's doing this not as someone who doesn't know God, but as someone who does know God. And so because he knows God, he wants to know God more. So it's very personal. Let me try and embarrass myself uh, to help you understand how personal it is for David as he writes this, my God, I love you, God. Let me just try and do this just so I can, as I said, you feel dorky, I don't know whether you feel dorky, I'll feel dorky. It's all right feeling dorky as the minister. Let me make it really clear. It's so personal, it's like this, you see. Now, why is it so personal? Because let me tell you, there could be two Rondas in this room. But there's no... So I just want to make that clear. There is a Ronda story. Just like people might say there are many gods. But there's only one Rhonda Barnett, one Rhonda Barnett who was once Rhonda Howard, who married some bloke many, many years ago called Ian. And let me tell you, why you might know this woman, why you might love this woman, Rhonda is mine. She ain't yours. And when I go on holidays or away from her at a conference or something, and I, I'm calling on the phone, I think, I just, oh, honey, I want to get back home. I want to get back home to be with you in every way possible. And this is how David is coming to this spot. You, you God, you are my God. This Rhonda, she's mine and you can't have her. You can have God though. So I'll leave this on just as I said. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, in days gone by when it comes to... How many people here have fish stickers on their cars, can I ask still? Some of you may have got no idea what that is. Do any of your parents have fish stickers on your cars? Oh, Seth, you look like the only one. Way to go, Seth. Good on you, brother. We should cheer, says, oh, my God. And so we've got to have this. It's very personal, as I say. And life is personal. Life is personal. I must admit, with the whole Israel Falau saga, the thing that upset, has upset me most so far has been the comments made about his wife. I found that really offensive. You mean in the society I live in now, I'm totally shocked and horrified no matter what the husband has said or done, I will have a go. I'm protective of my wife. I hope the husbands here are protective of their wife and the wives are protective of the husband. So understand the intimacy behind this. It's personal. David has a strong fellowship with God. C.S. Lewis once said about this psalm, it's like David has a strong appetite for God. And he wants more of God, to know God, and, to long, and he longs for God in that way. And it's more than just sex or power or money or followers on Instagram or, or Facebook likes. or what. This is 
really key. It's very normal probably for many people who want to be religious, but David wants more than that. And maybe as sinful human beings, we can chase after many things. I wonder what you are chasing after. I wonder if it is the living God that we know as Jesus. He feels dry and thirsty. I love a comment that Tim Keller and many, many old writers uh, and new writers have written about this psalm. Uh, Tim Keller, as he reflects on this verse, he talks about how we can know, know if we've had an encounter with the real God by how we feel when we are not connected to that God. He said this, uh, the sense of his absence, the dissatisfaction with his absence is evidence, is an evidence that he has touched you. And you know he's touched you because there's something missing. You know, I love puzzles. How many people here love doing puzzles off, and I mean real puzzles, not on your iPad puzzles, as good as they are. How many people here find it hard when you can't find that last piece and some evil person in your family has gotten hidden it just to drive you crazy? You think, I just, ah, oh, where's this piece? I need to find it. And I think Keller is right. Uh, we know if we've encountered the real God because you know when you've, you, you feel far from him because he's touched your life. The Spirit's changed you, impacted you. And David knows that. He's unsatisfied. He wants more. He wants more. And you can check out later on Psalm 61 and Psalm 62 and get a sense of how that fits in that context. Again, very passionate. And for those who know Psalm 42 as the deer pants, very similar Feel to Psalm 63. So my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you, God. And David goes further in Psalm 42. Where can I go to meet God? Psalm 42. So David wants more. You are my God. It's that personal. And he pushes and says, I've seen you. So he has this vision of God in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. It's a lovely picture. I, I feel very moved by this picture that David has. It's very personal. It's warm. It moves me to want to pray more to this God that I serve, this God that I know, this God that I love, this God that loves me, this God that sent his son into this world to die for me and we'll celebrate communion in a little while as well. It's like he has this prophetic vision and sees God in the sanctuary. And I think more and more, and some here know that sometimes I'm a broken record about this, I absolutely don't think that we praise God enough when we compare to the troubles we have. We are good culturally at complaining, I think, more than praising and we should, we, are, we should be thankful so much more to count our blessings more than our troubles would be a good thing to do. And that happens for me more and more in prayer and as I talk to others. Uh, and especially as prayers are answered. Um, tonight again we'll have communion and we'll invite you down a particular uh, prayer tonight. And uh, two Sundays ago when we did communion at 10 o'clock, uh, and we've been doing this now since November of last year. But a lady came up, uh, she came prepared about uh, two months ago about her sister. And she felt embarrassed, but she came to me in the foyer outside. She said, I want you to know uh, the prayer you prayed, God has answered that prayer. It was a cancer issue. 
And she said, look, I felt, I didn't know whether I should tell you that God answered the prayer. And I said, let's stop right now and go before God and give him thanks that he answered the prayer. And I know you've got many prayers you're waiting to be answered, but I don't think we're good at actually reminding each other what God is doing and has done. Uh, and so David is so moved by this that what? He lifts up his hands, that great controversy. But it's like he falls and he stops and he raises his hands. And I know some people, my wife isn't a hand raiser. I've mentioned her twice now, so I'll get in trouble twice tonight. There are many people here who may not be hand raisers, that's okay. But there are people who are. And it's like, that's okay. Because the Spirit of God moves you in such a way that it's like, Father, I just need to lift my hands as I sing our songs. And I've got to say to you, compared to when I was, uh, uh, many of your age a long time ago, the sings we sang... It feels like back in the 80s. <laughs> Al uh, McKillen's favourite, Jehovah Jireh, that's another story. The songs we sing these days are all personal, I feel. They, they really, and I love that. But I tell you what, let it not be personal on a Sunday only. You've got to get into Monday. You've got to get into Tuesday with it. You've got to get into Wednesday. You've got to get there till Friday and Saturday. It can't just be a moment in time on a Sunday where, yeah, this is great, fantastic, praise the Lord. Lover of my heart. It has to be part of our life and I encourage you to be in this space with your whole body, your arms, your hands. Be there. And secondly, David goes further. He not only says my desire, he says my delight. I delight. He continues to look at what God has done and he's thankful for what God has done. Uh, and we should be too. He says this, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. John Piper, talking about this verse, talks about back in the first century, they loved eating the fat. How many people here love getting the fat and the meat and just... How many people here love pork crackling, cooked well with gravy dripping? Oh, you're wanting some now. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you. See, it's so personal. Through the watches of the night, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Now David just... Uh, he loves his God. He loves his God who revealed himself, the God he knows. And especially at night time, sometimes my experience in life is most of your troubles come on my bed at night when you're worried about things or concerned about things and you're thinking of things that have worked out, haven't worked out and you're wrestling with yourself and you're not sleeping well. And he stops and he says, I remember you, I think of you, because you are my help. And I sing, and I sing and I praise. It's more joy, it's more praise. I, I know uh, Shanae and, and Mel are here and they've just come back from uh, uh, being away and uh, I think you're going again to Indonesia, the team's going to Indonesia. And uh, Did you have a good time? Did God do something special in your life and the lives of others? Are you changed as a result? <laughs> Catch up with them after to find out how much they've been changed. And so in our times we're living in today, we need to make sure we are coming before our God to pray and to praise his name and to have our souls satisfied. And I think the only way I can express this is like all this colour bursts forth in our lives. And it's expressed in joy and praise and thankfulness. We stop and say, oh, Father, you are so good. 
And we sing that. You are so, so good. And that's why I've had these goals of relationship and prayer and discipleship. That's why we have a bigger goal indeed about gathering on a Sunday and worshipping God. We want people to be changed and to grow stronger as disciples of Jesus. It really does matter and it's mattering more and more. One of my many heroes of faith is Keith Green, probably because when I read his book a long time ago, he passed away in the early 80s, 82. He was only 28 when he died with his uh, two little kids, age three and two. Very tragic story, but there might be some here who've read his book, No Compromise, and still, uh, it still moves me today, and his music still moves me today. And it's funny when you read his comments from all those years ago in the 70s. Here are some things he said. When church is over and there is no one there to listen except the only one who matters, do you still have that same passionate joy in your spirit just to be alone with the living God? I'll leave that there so you can answer that for yourself. You will be bored to tears in heaven if you are not ecstatic about God now. For those who know Keith Green or his music or his book, it's like it, doesn't, it shouldn't surprise you he says such things. Keith was, what I say, on the cutting edge. He was a driven man, a passionate man. He probably drove many people crazy, probably drove his wife crazy. And then I came across his last quote that it's funny to read in 2019 again that was written so many years ago. And you could relate it to other things you read in the media, other things that might make you feel uncomfortable. I'm not a prophet of doom, he says. I'm a prophet of love. Ooh, gee, I can hear someone saying that. might be a former rugby player. But love will bid a warning doom to the children who play on the freeway. We need to wake up. It's funny to read this written in the 70s. I'm guessing you'd pick up many books written back in that day that would say direct things about our faith and our destiny and our love and our passionate connection with our God or not. And then we'd stop and wonder, can we still say that today? You'll have to answer that in days to come. But Keith had this point, and I, I do love his first point. If I, uh, and, I, and only someone has pointed this out to me today because uh, Peter Singer has apparently written an article. Uh, for those who know Peter Singer, you can go and Google it, Google it later on. Uh, interesting guy. Uh, a man who doesn't believe in God, Christianity, hell, heaven, has no interest in it. But he's currently in his article today, which I haven't read all of, is defending comments by Israel Folau. But he makes the point, like many others have, if I have no interest in God, why should I worry? I don't believe in hell anyhow. And Keith makes the same point. If I'm bored with God now, why would I even think of going to heaven? What, going to heaven, being in God's presence day in, day out for all eternity, giving praise to him every hour of it, like, oh. Some would say, I couldn't think of anything worse. The psalmist, David, says... I couldn't think of anything better to praise God like that. And, you know, don't forget, it's not as if David is some squeaky, clean servant of God, corrupt, sinful, and he is the one who's written this. God, my defence, comes that last part of this psalm. And David now, as he thinks about his desire for God, this great God who he loves so much, he comes to this concluding point. Those who want to kill me, and he's thinking of his son and others, 
be destroyed, they will go down to the depths of the earth, they will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of lies will be silenced. He comes to this point and saying, it doesn't matter what the world is doing, I'm again going to, as king, rejoice in God. And he invites others into that space. And we are, I think, more and more living in a, in a time that we, for those who want to be followers of Jesus Christ and mention his name and to say he's mine, I worship God, there will be criticism, there will be comments, there will be rejection. I get the sense more and more that if we, the closer we get to God and grow more passionate about our love for God, we grow further and further away from the world. Full stop. I want you to know that, and especially our young ones here. If you choose to follow Jesus and desire to have him more and more, it will not put you in the same path or trajectory as the world. It just cannot. In fact, it will put you in the opposite direction. And the crazy thing is, your love for the Lord is going to drive you crazy because it's going to make you want to love others more and more and share the good news of Jesus. And maybe they'll just respond in all sorts of ways. Go away. You are talking crazy stuff. And yet we'll stop and ponder what God is doing. It's so important that we keep God at the centre of our lives. He is the one we worship, the one we love. And so what have we learnt about prayer and how has God delivered us over the last number of weeks about our life? Here are some things I've put up here because we sing this song about the Lion of Judah and I love it. Here are some things about prayer. Prayer builds our relationship with Jesus. Prayer helps us determine God's will. Prayer accomplishes God's work. We invite God to act. Prayer is intimate communion. And prayer is part of our fellowship together. Uh, If you want to grow, let me assume you want to grow as a Christian. Some here may not be Christians yet. I don't think there's anything finer than actually gathering with others to pray and hearing their prayers, hearing their words, listening to the spirit behind that. Being part of that is something that becomes very, very powerful. And it's so important that we're in that space because prayer is doing this. And my hope, my own prayer is that in years to come we'll keep driving at this and keep encouraging you to pray and keep asking God for big, hairy, audacious things to happen. Father, there is a world waiting for this. And in a moment or two, we're going to have some communion, but here's my final challenge to you. Let us not be divided or distracted in our praise and prayer to the living God. Uh, May it be that indeed we are so passionate about our God that you will too go home and get your own T-shirt and singlet with the appropriate name on, not this one, because why? Because Rhonda is mine. But the Lord Jesus Christ is ours. And may it be that the world knows that as we sing and rejoice, which we're going to do right now, as we praise his name, because we want him to be the king of our hearts. Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God. Lord, watch over us, guide us, stir our hearts. Father, help us rejoice loudly, passionately, Father, may it be that our needs, our desires, 
are set aside for your glory and worship. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.